This broadcast is only for adults. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. special Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. I have to say that I am numb at what I'm seeing coming down the pike. We know the secrets are coming. We know things are going to be bad. We don't have the mentality of evil that can phantom the depth it will go until we hear it. We're coming up on the first anniversary of February 2nd, 2018 message. And it was a big one. And I talked about it throughout the year because a lady stepped out of her character saying things I would never expect her to say. And for her to say this is a serious thing, to be so blunt and straightforward and give us instructions. She said one year ago, February 2nd, my children do not believe lying voices which speak to you about false things. And she has a sentence, a few words with it. You, my children, return to the scriptures. That's what we're supposed to be matching everything up to. And it amazes me to this day that the people who are praying, that's been to Medjugorje, they experience peace, that they still 
do not see things in the correct way because they believe lying voices. And the voices is leading us toward safety. They don't. A lady added, which speaks to you about false things, false glitter. She says, go to the scriptures. What does Timothy say? He said, there would come a time when teachers would tickle your ears and the people will wander off into fables. We have people listening to the media, listening to Democrats, listening to some of the Republicans who also are just as bad, and they don't know how to discern truth, but they want the glitter. They believe things they shouldn't believe. Going to Medjugorje and even praying doesn't guarantee you anything. And this is a message our ladies talking to Medjugorje people. So we have a feedback from somebody who rejects what we're saying. And that's okay. We don't have a problem with it. But it's an example of how people wander off to fables. This comes from Judy Garrison from San Jose, California. She says, I experienced the peace of my pilgrimage to Medjugorje. As Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know if the tree is good. Your saying, Our Lady backed Trump's leadership, is not true. She would not back lying, killing people, turning back refugees, fleeing violence. I am blocking your website now as I no longer believe you are a conduit of Mary or God's message. She said several things here that's completely untrue. One of them, she says, a friend of Medjugorje, in other words, says, you're saying Our Lady backed Trump's leadership. And then she says, that's not true. She would not back lying, killing people, turning back refugees, fleeing violence, etc. This in and of itself proves to me she doesn't understand what we're speaking about. I've never said Our Lady's backing Trump's leadership. What I did say and what I do say and what I advocate and what I know is be the truth is that Trump is different from what she's identifying the way we see him. It's a different thing to understand who Trump is and say he's of God. He's a Cyrus. Who is Cyrus? And many pastors believe this, even some bishops. Cyrus was risen up as a king and he saved the Jews and yet he was not a Jew. So you can think what you want to about Trump. He is a Cyrus, and he was chosen for this time of Mary. I go on record for that. I don't back down from that. And it's the truth. I'm not swayed by the media or even Trump himself. I recognize the first day when he announced that he was going to be president, that this man was chosen, he was an outsider, and he would turn everything upside down. And several people who I'm close to in the Missouri world couldn't believe I was for him. But if you're in prayer, if you fast, you see clarity. You don't see glitter. You don't listen to persuasive voices about, well, I don't know. You get discernment. So some of these Medjugorje people amaze me how blind they are to what truth is. Many in the church, including some Medjugorje people, are tainted by the doctrine of social justice, or socialist justice, better said. There is no... I want to repeat this. There is no social justice that is spiritual. It's secular. It has nothing to do with religion. 
We say all the bishops are for that. So why am I saying that? Because it's not social justice that we accept. In fact, we reject it. I reject it. We as Christians hold to the doctrine of biblical justice. That's a big difference. Many of the church has swallowed the social justice lie. It's a secular thing. It's an incorrect perspective. And because of that, they think Trump is supposed to let everybody in this nation, that we're not supposed to be building a wall. We're supposed to let people come on over here and all the bad people come with it. Let me tell you something. We don't want the lowest of the culture, even if the poor are coming into this nation. From 1920, they had to limit that because they didn't have time to assimilate. And we don't want anybody to come here carrying Honduras flags or Guatemalan or against America. Why would we want to do that? Every kingdom that fell, including the Jewish, including Solomon, fell because they let the wrong people into their nation. We are a nation of immigrants, but these people wanted to come and they wanted to contribute to this nation. They didn't want to take. And so what's the push on this? The Democrats themselves want these for votes. They want to give them welfare. They want to take care of everything because they want their vote. Because they can't stay in power. If you can't see this, you're blind to truth. you got to keep the nation healthy. I'm for the wall. I'm for blocking these people. And I'm for immigrants coming here that are skilled, that want to be American citizens, that will be willing to take a test and an oath. But you, with this mentality, like this woman from California, is in contradiction to another woman just four hours from you in California, and the way she sees this country. And I can dare say this person in San Jose is thinking about all the forefathers were right, and the natives, and what we did, and how wicked we were. This nation was brought to Christianity when it was birthed, and it was consecrated for that purpose. Our documents show that. How come she can't see this? Because she didn't want to see it, because she's listening to glitter and lying voices. So in your neighborhood, another person today stood up in Santa Barbara, California, and her name is Celeste Barber, and she stood our ground. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what I'm telling you now. I'm standing my ground. I'm with our lady. I want holiness. I want to have empathy for everybody. But I'm not stupid about that. I'm not a bleeding heart. I don't go to social justice garbage. I go biblical justice. That's what God calls us for. Nobody should adopt that we be in social justice because the verbiage game is powerful. I've spoken about this for years. So we're going to play a clip about people who love this nation versus those whose mentality cannot recognize truth, which is being used for evil while they think they're doing good. One former Santa Barbara City College instructor in California stood alone after the school's trustee board stopped reciting the Pledge of Allegiance over its supposed white nationalist history. But this morning, that college board is facing the flag once again. Joining us now is that woman, Celeste Barber, former adjunct instructor at Santa Barbara City College. Celeste, good morning to you. Good morning. Okay, uh, so... Let me get this straight. Why did the guy who runs the board at that school say, I'm not going to recite the pledge anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. What, what's he got against the pledge? 
In the email that he sent to me the week before, he stated that it was because it had roots in white nationalism, racism, nativism. And I reject that. There's nothing white nationalist about the Pledge of Allegiance. There's no reference to race, to gender, to ethnicity. It's all inclusive. That's mm -hmm. why school children around the country, thousands of them, recite it every day because mm -hmm. it includes everybody who lives in this country. And so uh, when he just summarily decided we're not going to do it anymore, you decided at the last meeting, the last public meeting during the public comments, you were going to recite the pledge, obviously just to, to bother him, I would imagine. I'm, I'm shocked at the number of people in the audience who were hooting you down. I was too. They were actually there for another issue, but I just happened to come into it and it incited them for some reason. This is the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I'm the daughter of a World War II combat veteran. And my dad and so many other Americans, men and women, have gone into service in harm's way for the ideals that are expressed With in the liberty. Pledge of Allegiance. I have a right to stand up and speak for those ideals on behalf of people right. who have sacrificed everything for this country. Well, Celeste, after your demonstration there last week, now apparently they have decided to effective immediately reinstate it. So I guess you got what you wanted. I did. And I plan on Valentine's Day to go to the next board meeting. And I'm going to stand there and recite the pledge with them. I am thrilled. The interviewer alluded that she did this to bother him. She didn't do that. It's standing up. A lady says, November 2nd, 2016. My children, it is a time of vigilance. You better start standing up while you can. Because they're rolling over us. And they're getting more aggressive and more power because we have a mentality like this woman in California on the opposite side of the street who doesn't understand what is happening in our nation and in the world. We're in a serious situation. I lay with those words, my children, it's time to be vigilant. She says, the united love of my apostles will live, will conquer, and will expose evil. One woman stood up. And what you heard at the beginning of that interview, we'll play now. They're pounding their fist on the table. Justice. So is this an isolated case? No, everything we're going to play today is today or yesterday, very recent things has happened, even the last week or so. And it's frightening how fast, how diabolical the speed of everything is coming down upon us. And if we don't stand up like Celeste did, you won't be able to stop what's happening. The power of it, the exposure of it, even when I wrote it in They Fired the First Shot 2012, I said that they're doing these things. This is what they're doing. They're implanting people in the government. Obama started in 2008. Was FBI, the CA, all these places, they got their cronies in there. And it's proven now. And you'll understand more what I'm saying later on this broadcast. But for right now, what's the next thing they attack? Because this is godless. This is going away from God. And often it's the Christians that buy into it and think it's okay because they do not discern because they're looking at glitter. Well, that was Democrat Debbie Dingell commenting on a House committee's suggestion to remove the reference to God from the witness oath. She will not support the move to remove So Help Me God. Brad, you have some thoughts on that? 
Sure do. I think Debbie Dingell is right. Um, we, we can't strip away our culture, our heritage, who we are as a people, what the foundation of our nation uh, from our founders was based on. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy that Debbie Dingell has made this uh, a priority to say we're not going to investigate it, we're not going to think about it pretty much dead on arrival. What does this say more broadly, Matthew? Well, I think it says more broadly that the fastest growing religious group in America are the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but the N-O-N-E-S, people who express no religious affiliation. And many of those people are part of the Democratic Party. And so you see with these moves, the, Democratic, uh, the Democrats moving away from any support of organized traditionalist religion. That's What's developing the here are these, these culture wars that seem to be erupting from time to time. And I, I get the sense that we're going through one of those now. Uh, the question about the oath. You've got this woman in California who was mocked for trying to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, you've got this abortion battle here in New York State. The law was signed into law the, a week ago yesterday. Is this the real movement, do you believe, for the Democratic left? That's Yes, it is, because states are the, are the petri dish of, uh, of public policy. And when one state goes, other states tend to follow. Um, as a, a Republican, as a citizen, the culture wars that we're seeing in this country are very, very troubling. And uh, it has a cascading effect. Our Lady said, May 2nd, 2009, you are permitting sin to overcome you more and more. You are permitting it to master you and to take away your power of discernment. This is San Jose. She's got no discernment. What does she say in response? My poor children, look around you and look at the signs of the times. Do you think that you can do it without God's blessing? We've been sold a bill of goods from many in the church about social justice. And we see these things erupting all over the world because it's based in socialism. And all these things come from that. And now we have this big news about the abortion. So we've got New York proudly, excitedly passing a law that they now say they are the capital of abortion for the whole world, the worldwide capital. And you have Como, who's so proud that he wore a pink tie to celebrate this. They lit up the World Trade Center, pink, rejoicing diabolically in this. And when it passed the legislature and all the celebrations, the clapping is diabolical because they're celebrating a new law that will take a baby that's been born that they can kill it now. That's called infanticide. And what you're going to hear now is just a few seconds of the state legislature, how rejoicing they were. So now that New York's done this, what happens? The dominoes start coming down. Who's next? Virginia. You got Kathy Tran, a Democrat, who is in the state legislature, who put forth a law, and she's being questioned by the chairman of what this law will do. They're even going further than New York. This is what I was speaking about earlier. We don't have the mentality to phantom how low evil can go because we can't think that way. Until you hear it, and then it's shocking. Listen carefully to this question from the chairman. How late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? 
or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, talking about the mental health. So, I mean, through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay. But to the end of the third trimester. Yep. I don't think we have a limit in the bill. So, um, where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, she has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth. Would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a you know a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman. Would I understand make that. At that. I'm point. asking if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that. Yes. You hear a sidestepping. She knows not to answer it. She's trying to figure out a way around it, but he presses her. I'm asking you a question. Is it in your bill? Yes, it is. What is in the bill? It's shocking. And because his question, the chairman was, when is this allowed? You might say, well, if the baby's deformed or something like that. But did you hear what he said, the chairman? He says, I'm talking about impaired mental health because health, which is what the law is about, is going to encompass the mother's mental health. So in other words, she's got three girls and she gives birth to another girl, which she wants a boy. She can decide, oh, I can't take that. I didn't want that. Well, surely there's a sonogram that showed it was a girl. But see, what does this give her? The ability to go ahead and give birth, knowing that she could have the baby killed. Why would she want to do that? Why didn't she just abort? Because abortion is very damaging to the mother. People die from that. They're scarred from that. They have all kinds of problems from abortions. See, nobody's anticipating what is this going to lead to. The next thing is, well, just carry it to term. It's the safest thing for the mother. The baby can come out. Then you kill it. Our lady said in the same message about lying voices, February 2nd, 2018, do not permit for selfishness, for self-love to rule the world. This is what this law is about. And I guarantee you, and I'm telling you what's going to happen. If a mother has four boys, she wants a girl, and she's on the fifth pregnancy, but she knows, and the doctor says, bring it to term, even though it's another boy, and then you can abort it. But it's not abortion. It's infanticide. Nothing less. They're talking about the baby coming out and letting that baby be killed at that point. You might ask the question, how are they going to kill it? They're going to kill it. Do you understand that? That's why we're saying infanticide. We have this happening in front of us because of selfishness, self-love to rule the world, and we're not standing up. And we have stupid letters coming here like this about, I think, Trump's wrong. Trump is deadly against abortion. Trump has done more for opening things up and protecting us. I'm telling you, they have to get Trump out of the way. He's the last roadblock. They're running over us. He may not be a saint, but he's on the right side of our issues. And if you think he's not, you're dead wrong with your discernment. You want to hear more about this abortion thing? It's not abortion. It's murder. If you had a baby on a street corner that was just born and some of the mother just walked out of the apartment, laid it on the street corner in New York, and three or four people were looking at that baby and you don't call the police, and you just let it die. All those people would be arrested. 
You got child's protection things that happen in a house if a mother did that and killed the baby. It's murder. And now we're making it legal. So Virginia's governor made a statement to defend this because we no longer are looking at a deformity or something wrong, but it will ease into mental anguish, mental health or emotions that if it's not the gender that you want, why would I go through an abortion at six months or four months when I find that out when it messes up my health to do that? Every woman who has abortion suffers from that. So this gives them the excuse. Nobody's brought this issue up because they're not praying. It'll come out later. But they're going to go to birth, then kill the baby, and everything's nice. The health of the mother's normal, but the baby's dead. Let's go a little further. Let's listen to Governor Ralph Northern of Virginia, who is defending this law, and Kathy Tran. There no exception. There was a very contentious committee hearing yesterday when Fairfax County Delegate Kathy Tran made her case for lifting restrictions on third trimester abortions as well as other restrictions now in place. And she was pressed by a Republican delegate about whether her bill would permit an abortion even as a woman is essentially dilating, ready to give birth. And she answered that it would permit an abortion at that stage of labor. Do you support her measure and, and explain her answer? Yeah, and I'm, you know, I wasn't there, uh, Julie, and I, I certainly can't speak for uh, Delegate Tran, but I would tell you, one, uh, first thing I would say, this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, mothers, uh, and fathers that, that are involved. There are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done with the consent uh, of our Obviously, the, the mother with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities. There may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So so I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, but again, we want the government not to be involved in these types of decisions. We want the decision to be made by uh, the, the mothers and their providers. And, and this is why, Julie, that legislators, most of whom are men, by the way, shouldn't be telling a woman what she should and shouldn't be doing with her body. And do you think multiple physicians should have to weigh in as is currently required? She's trying to lift that requirement. Well, I think it's always good to get uh, a second opinion and for, for at least two providers to be involved in that decision because these decisions shouldn't be taken lightly. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I, w I would certainly support more than one provider. The infant will be delivered, kept comforted, resuscitated. And why would it be resuscitated if it's alive? But he said resuscitated, and then there'd be a discussion between the mother and the doctor and the provider and what they're going to do. So he says, two opinions? What if you have five opinions? It doesn't matter. An opinion is not truth. But they think if we have two, then that professionalizes it and they won't be wrong. The opinion that you need even an opinion is wrong. This governor, what he's saying is so diabolical 
but he got so much resistance. Now he's saying today, because he said that yesterday, he's saying today, from what he said yesterday and what you just heard, that he was taken out of context. He was not. It's clearly what he said, and he's only changing his attitude because there's so much pushback, but they know they're going to get that. They had a vote today, and they voted this law down. Five to three. But three people voted for it. It should have been eight people to nothing to vote it down. But that's what they do. They wore you down, and then they'll come back. So they're winning. They knew they'd lose, but they've got it out there now. And they'll come back with this, and they'll nibble it and nibble it until they get what they want. Can you imagine going in there in discussion with a doctor and maybe a second opinion, what we're going to do? You call me talking about that, and you kill the baby? In Rwanda, a million people were killed in a hundred days, but they were driven by hate, anger. They lost control over themselves. This is a calm, seemingly a peaceful decision. What kind of country are we becoming? China does this, and Korea does it, North Korea. You want to be that, or you want to stand up like Celeste did? Or do you want to follow what we hear out of San Jose with this mentality? And I'm sure she'd say, oh, I'm not for these things. But you're advocating a system of lying voices and going along with things because you're swayed by these, that Trump is our enemy. He's the one that's stopping this. And they said March 3rd, 1990. This evening, I call you in a special way to pray for all unborn children. Pray especially for the mother who consciously kills their children. She didn't say abort. She didn't say who takes their life. She said the word kill, K-I-L-L. It's not the doctors who kill him. They should be charged with murder, yes. Pray especially for the mothers who consciously kill their children. Dear children, I am sad because many children are being killed. She's not mincing any words with this. Thy shall not kill. And he continues, pray that there will be as few as possible of these mothers and as few as possible of these cases in the world. That's in 1990. That's 29 years ago. What's happening to us? I'm telling you, these things are rolling out at a diabolical speed. That's what I was referring to in they fired the first shot 2012, that Obama was rolling these things out, not just putting people in his position, but they were doing plans that the closer they got to implementing those plans, they would become known for what they were, and the closer they get, there'd be a certain point where instead of hiding everything, and they know that they're naked in their intentions, they'd be seen for what they are, that they had to really rush through. We are there. They're in front of us. And they're saying these things in front of us because they got the power. There's only one thing stopping them right now, and that's Donald Trump. They got to eliminate this man. They got to impeach him. They got to kill him. They got to do whatever they have to do. You know, the Alabama Democratic Party today was announced that when they elected their chairman, I think it was, and there's infighting over who the leader is, 
because the votes that were cast was more than the people who was at the meeting to vote for it. And this is in Alabama. I've held the line, I haven't backed down, that Hillary Clinton was stealing millions of votes. And they put enough cushion in there to think she would win. That's why they're shocked. Nobody's bringing that up. But if you know your enemy and you know yourself, you know what they were doing. Their game plan failed when Trump came up and God allowed him to be the president. Nothing's by chance in regards to this letter. God put him there. And he's doing a lot of good. And he doesn't hate. He's being hated. So here we have this case in Alabama that they cheated even in their own party. You tell me they're not going to steal the next election. You tell me they're not going to do everything they can to do it. If they kill babies, they're for infanticide. Why do you think they won't do whatever they have to do, even though you may see it and know it, they don't care no more? You got to reread, they fired the first shot. I didn't have the evidence, but I knew their thinking because I know my enemy. And I know the enemy of Christianity. And everything in that book has come to be. It's more important you read it now than you did before. So this law has in it that after the fetal, they won't call it a baby, after it's determined that the fetal viability, the health provider can discuss this with the mother. And again, it's not going to be just about not wanting the baby. This is a door for women's health who wants abortion, knowing that they get damaged or they can die from this, they have injuries and they suffer from it, to go ahead and have a normal birth, keep their health, and kill their baby. So this is the latest, greatest thing to do. It's the new protection of the mother. Abortion is obsolete. All you have to do is go full term, have the baby, no repercussions for the mother. This is where this is going to. It will evolve to that. It's impossible for it not to. Know yourself and know your enemy. It's nothing less than that. You won't hear anybody say this. It's not out there. But we walk with our lady. We read the messages. We understand what she's saying. They kill their babies. Whether it's six months or it's the day after, it's the same thing. Remember the chair and said, impair the mental health. So all you have to say as a mother, emotionally, where I am with this. We go from there selling the organs of the baby. Would the mother get a cut? We know minimally it's worth $40,000 for the parts. And again, going back to the mother's health, it's not healthy to take pieces of the baby out and the infections and everything comes with that. Some may be left out of there. They can get infections. So, It's more convenient now. It's nicer and cleaner just to bring the baby out and then murder it. So what's the Catholic Church? St. Patrick's Cathedral's in New York. Cardinal Dolan's up there. So he's interviewed about this. And this is who opens the door to these things. Oh, they would say, we'd never do that. We're not for that. We're against this. Listen to Cardinal Dolan being interviewed. You'll hear Governor Como speaking first. Another New York national precedent will be established, the most aggressive women's equality platform in the nation is going to be in law in this state. And that's the way it should be. 
New York passing a sweeping abortion law, allowing many abortions up until the day of the baby's birth. The move sparking outcry all across the country with many Americans asking, how is this okay? All right, here to weigh in is, is, is New York City's Archbishop, Cardinal Timothy Doan. There are calls from people in, in the Catholic Church for uh, Governor Cuomo to be excommunicated. Mm-hmm. From the Catholic You're Church. telling me I get wheelbarrows of letters every day. I think that would be counterproductive myself. Uh, for one... Well, he's not following Catholic doctrine. There's my point, Steve. We would be giving uh, ammo to our enemies who say, this is an internal Catholic disciplinary matter. This is really not civil rights. This is really not biology. These Catholics don't have freedom when it comes to this. What about denying him communion? Well, look, uh, that's... a. a you're making me, I don't rarely get restless, but yeah. I am. That's kind of a pastoral issue that I think one has to talk to him about. And I think proper people have. And uh, I, it, I'd be uncomfortable going into that, rather spiritual and pastoral. But that is, that's a good point. I don't want to take this out of context. He did say he's against this. He doesn't believe in it. But he's still the problem. There were 2,000 comments right after he had this interview. And it's growing. One says, Dolan is a coward. He couldn't even answer the question about receiving communion. That's a pastoral thing. What's wrong with that church is what you just heard. Another wrote in, Dolan is a coward for not recommending him to be excommunicated. I've said and advocated Kennedy on the marriage thing should have been excommunicated publicly. Yes, Dolan went on to say that you excommunicate yourself. But what we need is some bishops and cardinals to stand up and say, I'm going to have a press conference about what Como did or about what Kennedy did on the Supreme Court and have a hearing. You'll have a hundred news outlets there at the press conference. And you just simply say, Kennedy violated the Catholic Church voting on the Supreme Court, the swing vote for abominable marriages. And by doing so, He self-excommunicated himself. So what we're here in this press conference about is that we're officiating that and we're making it public that he is out of the Catholic Church and excommunication means that you are consigned to hell by yourself, by your decision. The only escape you can have in reversing that is repent and confess that you're wrong. And in this case with Kennedy, spend the rest of his life in atonement because he got the consequences of the law they passed continuing. I'm not a bishop. I'm not a priest. How come I know that? And you can go through the comments on this and everybody's, well, go to Dolan. You heard what he said. I get wheelbarrows of letters. He said a few wheelbarrows of letters. But see, in New York, there's a lot of money. In New York, there's a lot of influence, a lot of parties to go to. Something's wrong here. Something's seriously wrong. So wrong that Our Lady tells us that we are the apostles, but we need them. We need Dolan. We need the bishops. We need the priests. Why? Because they got to give us the sacraments. We don't have the line back to the priesthood, but we had the baptism to evangelize and to build the church. This is all calculating out that your responsibility is huge. She's telling us, you, we, her children, are the apostles. Just as Lewis the prophet prophesied, there'll come a time 
when Our Lady would come, raise up apostles of the latter days. Why? Because the church isn't doing it. May 2nd, 2016, addressing us as apostles. These words of mine are familiar to you because they are the truth, and the truth does not change. You can pass out laws you want to do. You can have cardinals saying, well, I'm not going to do excommunication. He already is excommunicated himself. But I'm not going to politicize that. I'm not going to go after that. It would be counterproductive. And giving the other people ammo. What kind of thinking is that? And then when he's asking about communion, he says, you're making me restless. I'm uncomfortable about that. That's a pastoral thing. What are we doing with our leaders? Hold them accountable. But now we know by the truth, there are people out there saying, Dolan, we expect this out of you to stand up and do what I've already given an example about Kennedy. Because it's his words. Quote, tell me about it. I get wheelbarrows of letters about this. I know that's a figure of speech because mail comes in mail crates. But he didn't say, I get mail crates full. He said, I get wheelbarrows full. This is very revealing of a mentality of who we are and who he is. And it's a big problem because what do you do with wheelbarrows? You fill it full of dirt and you dump it. Listen to it again. There are calls from people in in the Catholic Church for... uh, Governor Cuomo to be excommunicated mm-hmm. from the Catholic You're Church. You're telling me I get wheelbarrows of letters every day. Then why are you not acting on it? Because what I said earlier, a lot of prestige, a lot of things. This is a tragedy. So going back to May 2nd, 2016, about the apostles of Our Lady, she tells us these words of mine are familiar to you because they are the truth. And the truth does not change. It is only that many of my children have forgotten it. My children, my words are neither old nor new. They are eternal. Therefore, I invite you, my children, to observe well the signs of the times to gather the shattered crosses and to be apostles of the revelations. That's who we are. Break out. Green light Medjugorje. No more sitting around. No more just writing letters. Form prayer groups. Get people together. We're going to stand up and we demand it out of our leaders. We expect it. And if we get nothing from them, we get the sacraments and we charge and we lead everything forward. They're not in that position. They don't want that position. They're too political. Allah is saying, you do it. Be apostles of the revelation. This is Lewis Moffat's point that he was making. That's who we are. And if you don't understand who you are and you don't understand who's out there advocating for us, you're going to lose. Because things are coming down against us. Why do you want to keep going to the shepherds? People say, we want to go to the priest. We want to go to this. Yes, there's some good priests. But they get handcuffed when they start saying things about Majoria. So again, why do you want to go there? We got the mother of God says, you listen to me. I'm leading you. And she's leading us because she has to, because we're not being led. She's here to rectify everything. Do you understand that? Do you grasp that? We did a mailing. I wrote a letter to the bishops. 
for the conference that was coming up in November that if you don't stand up in your diocese, if you don't take charge of your pulpit and forget about the rest of the bishops and hiding behind the body itself, that you start speaking out to your people that the November conference is going to be a crash and burn. That was a month before the conference. You know what happened? What happened is what the scripture says. Don't worry about what you're to say. I'll put the words on your tongue because what I lady put on my tongue was the letter that this conference was going to crash and burn. They convened in Baltimore. And you know what happened? They were stopped dead in the tracks. They all went home. They were told, you're not going to make any decisions. We're going to go global on it. How did I know that? I didn't. God did. And the scripture says, what I said earlier, go back to scriptures. I base things on scriptures, and the words were there without any knowledge that this bishop's conference would crash and burn. But I wrote the words. Why am I bringing this up? Just forget them. Respect them, love them, pray for them, don't judge them, but they're not the ones that's leading the charge. You are. It's us. And that's why I want to repeat to you, green light Medjugorje in 2019. We have no more time. This is it. You take charge. You start forming your programs. You get people together. You better start praying if you want to be in any kind of position serving Our Lady. Because speaking about the Bishop's Conference crashing and burning, our economy is going to do that because we're going towards socialism. We've spoken for years about what happens When an economic crash happens, Venezuela is a picture of the future. They had plenty of oil money. They gave hospitalization. They gave everything to people. Chavez did that to stay in power, but he enriched himself. The generals enriched themselves. They were flourishing so much because so much oil and what was happening that they got away from the soil. Because they got away from the soil, socialism started controlling them. And when things went south in regards to the fuel prices going down, they had no system to feed themselves, no home gardens, nobody farming. They imported their cars. They imported the products they got. They didn't produce anything. That's why socialism is so bad. And a lot of this came from liberation theology. So that's church's part of this. The members of the church, not the church itself. And it was Communism. Bad things. Dictatorship. Where does it lead to? It's going to lead to what? Our economy that we depend on because they said everything's passing, everything's falling apart. Only the glory of God remains. You need to be in a system where you're feeding yourself in some sort of fashion that you're not dependent on the grocery store. You've heard me in the past talking about the president of the Central Bank of Virginia that in three days, when people go on hunger, they'll start doing anything they have to to get the food. And in 15 days, they'll be savages. They say in Venezuela right now, with so much starvation, they're walking like zombies. Hunger brings a certain anger that manifests, and that would never manifest if that would happen. If everything crashed in the United States and the world, economically, how are you going to eat? How are you going to get water? They're literally killing each other for just two pounds of rice or for water. They're in lines for three days and nights just for gasoline. 
a bag of groceries is $200 and it's going up. All the basic food, soap, everything's disappearing from the shelves. They're hijacking trucks when they come in. It's a black market of the people who are watching the warehouses. Millions of people in Venezuela are starving to death right now. And that's why Trump says we've got to do something about this. Our State Department's looking at it. And those people who are against us, Russia, China, Cuba, Syria, Iran, are for this dictator. The rest of the world's against it. Venezuela is a truth of what happens when you have total economic collapse. Our system is corrupt. It will not last. It cannot last. And the devil is in control of many things. And this is manifesting in Washington in different places around the world. We have to wake up. We have to realize when we talked on January 2nd that we have 30 months before the 40th anniversary of apparitions. So that's just a little window into the future. You think, oh, it's not going to happen here, not in America. You think if you got food and you got supplies and you're just going to go for a three-year thing you got in your basement, you want to be like Venezuela, where a mob of 25 men with sticks and rocks is chasing down a bull and kill it because they're starving to death? You think, oh, I got my cows over here. It's going to be safe. When people get hungry, they'll go where the food is, and that food will disappear. And so if you're in a rich area, you think, I'm safe, I'm okay. How are you going to defend yourself? Our lady's preparing us for something. October 25th, 1985, Mariana saw one of the secrets. The earth was desolate. Our lady says, it is the upheaval of a region of the world. In the world, there are so many sins. Look around you and see what men do. Then you will no longer say that God has a hard heart. We're not putting scare tactics into you. We're just presenting to you what our future is about. And we think we're going to elect our way out of this. You say, well, there'll be a divine intervention. That's what's happening every day. Our is here as a divine intervention. And the main thing that's going to be hit is Christians. Who are the people who are writing these laws and coming up with infanticide? Who are they? They hate Christians. They hate the commandments. They hate who we are. And anybody that's hated by those same people, as our president is, puts us on the same walk. So what should we think? Well, we had an incident that happened just a couple of weeks ago that is clear, very, very clear, and very unsettling. And it was Roger Stone. Roger Stone is accused of lying to Congress. It's not a big deal. Hillary Clinton did it in a severe way. Eric Holder repeatedly did it. He was Obama's Attorney General. The guy lied repeatedly. Many of his people did that. They didn't do nothing to them. What happens is to Roger Stone? They wanted to make an example. They wanted to show you what's going to happen to you as a Christian. If they do this now in the Greenwood, what's going to happen in the Hardwood? You think if they're for abortion, killing babies, calling it abortion outside the womb after it's been birthed, and you're against the bottom of marriages, and you're a problem, they'll come after you. They'll intimidate you. How do they do it? We've got a perfect example of this taking place. 
And it's bizarre. What you're going to hear should wake you up. Because they're doing things that are so illegitimate, and yet it's legitimized as it's okay. It's this normal thing. This is not normal. When you hear this clip, you think about what would they do if you're a baker and you won't bake a cake for abominables? If you stand on your Christian principles, this is so outrageous. And it's fresh. And it just happened. Put yourself in the future in this position because of what you stand for and the systems against you. Four days ago, pre-dawn raid, 17 vehicles, including armored tactical trucks, roll up to Roger Stone's house. You have heavily armed federal agents dressed in SWAT gear, surround his house, draw their weapons, pound on the door. He's taken out. Uh, Roger Stone, this, this is not in any way. He's not a ruthless gangster. He's not a drug kingpin. He's not El Chapo. You know, he's not a ma- mafia leader. He's being charged with lying to Congress. We've gone through a long list of people that we repeat that have lied to Congress that get away with it, and we don't have equal justice under the law. Anyway, uh, Roger Stone is with us now. I got to imagine, I mean, there's been a lot of talk. You thought the last time I interviewed you that you were being targeted, that it might happen. Did you expect it to happen this way? No, uh, Sean, I'm represented by attorneys. The special counsel's office is well aware of that. I'm 66 years old. Although I support the Second Amendment, I don't own a gun. Uh, I don't have a valid passport. I have no previous criminal record. I'm not a flight risk. The court said that when they gave me a, essentially a, a bond on my own signature. Uh, this was a, this was a, meant to send a, 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 a an intimidating signal to to other witnesses. It was meant to intimidate me. 29 SWAT team armed uh, FBI agents surrounding my home, wearing night goggles, brandishing assault rifles. I opened the door facing uh, down the barrel of two guns. And of course, there's a, a camera crew 15 feet away from CNN capturing the whole thing for posterity. Now, you said something last night. Now, your wife is sleeping, right? Yes, she was asleep. My wife is hearing impaired. Uh, she was not woken up by this commotion. I came downstairs. Um, they marched me outside in handcuffs, uh, bare feet, uh, and they said, who else is in the house? I said, my wife. I was afraid that they were going to think she wasn't complying with an order because she can't hear and shoot her. Did you tell um, them that? Uh, I told them that she was hearing impaired. They still went upstairs, pounded on the door. They scared the daylights out of her. So all of this could have been avoided by simply calling my attorney. Uh, the idea that they couldn't do that because I might destroy evidence is absurd. I've been under investigation for two years. They have brought 19 of my current or former associates before the grand jury or interrogated them by the FBI. If I was going to destroy evidence, which I haven't done, wouldn't I have done it a long time ago? It's it's absurd. Uh, these are the police state tactics of the, of the Gestapo. This is something you'd expect in Nazi Germany or in Soviet Russia, but not here in the United States. But the idea, Sean, is to poison the jury pool, to make me look like public enemy number one for the American people, to paint the black hat on me before I've had a fair trial, if I can get a fair trial in the District of Columbia. What do you think about that? If you're in that position... What do you think about all these tactical FBI agents? 
And by the way, there was amphibious boats in a canal behind his house with frogmen. They put tents up after the arrest. But just think about one thing about the lying voices. Was this staged? There was only a $250,000 bond for this that he signed with his signature, not even putting money up, which means he was not a threat at all. But there's one thing that pops out of here that's pretty bizarre. I've ridden patrol with policemen. I've been where there's a shootout. Nobody's allowed there. And if you're going tactically to raid a house or make an arrest, how do you get cameras 15 feet away from the one they're arresting when they have SWAT people all over the place with guns raised? So CNN is right there is a lying voice. That exposes everything. You cannot be in the middle of a tactical SWAT raid taking pictures with a camera unless they told you to come, unless they leaked this, unless this was staged. It's a no-brainer. These things are dangerous. This is telling. It's like the wheelbarrow thing. We're covering all these different subjects to show you where we are and how dangerous the situation is getting. Should we be in fear? No, Our Lady said, do not be afraid of the future. The one who fasts, one who prays is not afraid of the future. But we need to be aware of it. And we be aware of what Our Lady is saying, that there are things frightful that's coming. And so this clip was played to show you what awaits you when we have no protection. And also why Our Lady is here. We're coming into a dark, dark world. This tells everything about what this is about. It is to show you, don't mess with us. Don't mess with our abortion, our marriage things we're doing, or we're going to come after you. Because the Christians always end up, once the power is there, it will be used against us. We had a Mormon come in here. We bought a machine from him. He was selling raw milk, and they came after him. The feds came in, and they said, you're going to go to jail for 10 years or something like that. And he wasn't guilty of what they were saying. He proved it. He was going to fight the case. He did nothing wrong. But they said, look, if you just confess to this one thing, a small misdemeanor thing, then you won't be going to jail. So he fought him. And they kept coming back to him. And what he found out is 90% of the charges of federal convictions are successful. Because what they do is they bargain with you because they want to keep that record. Or they do what they did with Trump's former attorney, Cohen. They intimidate him. You speak against Trump, and we're going to get you out of jail. And so they have a 90% rate. They'll take a little bit of conviction to keep that up. And I've heard recently that, but this Mormon said, this is what they do. And so he took a misdemeanor, and nothing happened to him. They're looking for the record or either to use you against somebody else. And that's why they're going after Roger Stone. They're threatening him with everything so that he can turn against Trump. And the first thing he says, I am not going to denounce the president. These tactics are unbelievable. We think they couldn't happen in America. Look how fast this came into being. Obama spent his eight years planting all these people there. I'm not talking about conspiracy. I'm talking about evil. The diabolical speed that things are happening, just like one day New York does it. Now Virginia's doing it. Now California's doing it. 
New Hampshire, and then I just heard something this afternoon. I think the Illinois now is coming on board with it for this abortion thing. How does that sweep like that? That's not natural. That's supernatural from darkness. They have this pre-planned. They know their agenda. We don't know their agenda, and we think we just got to vote this away. We're in war. You have to understand that. And you need to be making decisions knowing these things. Listen to this again. Because I gave instructions about prayer groups, about getting your own food, doing these things. Not to save yourself, but to be living different. Don't depend on the system. Because the system is evil. And when it crashes, you'll be crashing with it. Build your own system. We talked a few weeks ago about 3.5 million small farms that had about five cows average. See, that was localized. Every little neighbor could get some milk from a little farmer. Now we're down to 100 mega-sized dairies that's there. There's no way to distribute that. It's in the hands of a few. These things will fall. They're not sustainable. There's so much to be reflected on, so much to be thinking. I don't want to get too much into the issues. You say, well, I get into a lot of issues, but you have to understand the lying voices. That these things, especially this thing in New York, the Pledge of Allegiance, and all these other things we've spoken about, motivate you to pray, motivate you to change the direction of your life. Our Lady says, use this time well. This is the time of grace to make your decisions. People are killing people in Venezuela for water. Where do you live? Do you have water access? Where are you going to go if something happens, collapse, and there's no water? Think about these things. Not out of fear, but living different. Start canning. Start doing the things you need to do. And, of course, any collapse, even that can be stolen from you. But start living in a way that you're more independent of the cultural war and where it's headed. There's so much can be said about these things. The pace of this is alarming. My motivation for talking about these things today is the speed of evil, how it's moving down the pipe so quickly. This is your moment. This is your time. We're asking you to support this mission because there is a lot of people that will be fed spiritually of the direction they need to be walking. We can't make it without you. We've got our whole life into this, our whole day into the message. And that's why we can see things. Or we can say, bishops, you're going to crash and burn. And it happens. Because it's seamless here from heaven to earth. We pray. Our Lady comes. She shows. She speaks. We hear her. We act. We're praying for you. We want you to hear these words. Pass this to others. Tell them to tune in. It doesn't take much to wake up. Because we've been in a deep sleep. And by what you've heard now, it's time to wake up. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.